today we're talking about mercy. Um, we're talking about what it means to be able to live in a way that's, um, that, that we, can, so we, can, we can be at ease in our relationship with God and with other people, that we don't have to do this, this comparison and com- competition and all these kinds of things. And so, so here we are learning this morning and listening to what, what Jesus says about what it looks like for us to live what we're calling the easy life, right? Where it's like, um, you could look at it in some ways like, Maybe as a kid when we were kids, or maybe for some of us we're kids and we hear it this way now, but uh, maybe some of us are adults that act like kids and so we still hear it this way. Um, that It's like, you're going to do this. It's just a question of are you going to do it the, the easy way or the hard way? Right? So we're talking about following Jesus and it's like we're, we're going to continue this journey. Right? It's the journey of our lifetimes, but the question is, are we going to do it the, the easy way? Are we going to strain against every step along the way? Are we going to try and make it what we want it to be and all these kinds of things and, and make what was intended to be the easy way the hard way? So much so that maybe we, we read some of the words that Jesus spoke and we're like, I don't think I could ever get there. I don't know what this could actually look like. And so instead of reading this passage, like we're going to be spending time in with, with this hopeful picture of what, of what life could look like, we look at it and say, I'm not sure I want to go through the whole process to, to get to what Jesus is even describing. So we're leaning in and listening to a conversation as Jesus is talking to people about what it means to follow in the Jesus way, to, to live in a way that's consistent with, with what he's teaching. He's, he's speaking to, in this moment, in this passage, he's speaking to the, the, the now and emerging leaders at that time of, of the church, right? So he's speaking to Pharisees who were, were leading the people of God in this moment. He's speaking to disciples who were the emerging leaders of this movement of Christianity. He's speaking to people who, who were being invited into this discipleship journey who would potentially be leading this movement or helping to lead this movement. And so Jesus is planting this seed of a conversation, saying, here is this way of operating, right? In some ways, it's, a, it's an operating system change that's happening and it's happening right in front of them he has in the passage that we we looked at last week which leads right into the 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 time we're spending in this morning in matthew 12 that that jesus has just been talking about rest he's been talking this this idea that it starts with trusting the presence of jesus saying, come to me i will give you rest that Jesus is speaking to people in the midst of the journey, that, that he's inviting them to take on the easy yoke, which is an invitation to discipleship. It's also an act of surrender. And so it's in that he's, he's having this continued conversation as he's teaching people what it looks like to, to live a life that is at ease in relationship with God and with each other. And this week, the primary conversation is with a group of people that are they're known as the Pharisees, right? So some, certain times of the, of the year and certain holidays, we, we hear about the Pharisees, but um, this is a group of people who were, were tasked with leading the, the people of God. They were the ones who understood the rules. They were the ones who, who helped people maintain their, their you know, commitment and practices of, of the law. And these were the people who, who would have been well-studied and well-learned that would have been helping people understand what it looked like to live their lives in a Godward kind of way. And so Jesus is, is speaking to the people who know the rules, speaking to the people who, who understand, who, who, who lead the system. And in this whole conversation that Jesus have, is having, just like he was speaking to the disciples and to people who felt like they were on the fringes last week, he's, he's inviting the, the Pharisees in the same way to, to come to him in terms of, of presence, to, to be given rest in the midst of, of their striving. And so what's happening in this story really isn't that, that Jesus is, is just being combative with, with these leaders, with these Pharisees, but, but he's inviting them. He's inviting them to live and operate in a different way, 
to, to take a look at the, at the law and to see it differently, to, to look and say, so, so you have been following these practices and you've been doing these things, you've been following the rules, but, but, but what you maybe have lost sight of along the way is that, is that the law was created to, to, help, you, to help you thrive, right? to, to give you a different way of living in a world that was, that was going all sorts of different directions, that, that God gave you parameters as an act of mercy and so, and, and that, to, to say that, that we're going to help you live life well. And then somewhere along the line, the, the way of understanding what the law was for and what the law was about, it became about the law instead of about the, the one who gave the law for, for people to thrive in a, in, a, in a way that they wouldn't be able to on their own. And so this conversation, like so many Jesus conversations along the way, this, this conversation that we get to listen to, sometimes it's easier to hear truth spoken to someone else and then, and then having to like be confronted with it directly ourselves. And so we get to listen to Jesus speak correctively to a group of people. And what he's going to say is, as this, as this story plays out, it's a, it's a conversation, like so many Jesus conversations, that are a, it's, a, it's a one thing you lack. If you could just take this one thing and, and, and look and, and, and take it and turn it just a little bit towards to, to, to be back in alignment with me, then the operating system change begins to happen. Then you start to see things differently. You start to see the world differently. You can, you can relate to God and to each other in, in a different kind of way, in an, un, in an unburdened kind of way. Not just that it's an argumentative Jesus telling the Pharisees that they're wrong and then kind of like winning the argument, but this is a more of a, you're missing the point. That you can be right about the law, you can be right about the specifics of the practices and the, and the way the rules work and doing the work and all those kinds of things. You can be right about that and still miss the point. And so what Jesus is doing really is giving them an invitation to, to get it, right? To, to begin to operate in a different way. And he frames this conversation with, with two terms that maybe we wouldn't always put in opposition to each other or in tension with each other. But, but Jesus frames this conversation in terms of, of mercy and sacrifice. In terms of mercy and sacrifice. And to, and to sit in that, just to kind of create a foundation for the conversation for the rest of the, the time that we're spending in this. That, to understand why Jesus maybe would have put those two terms, not just that, like, that we might not think of as, as being in tension with each other, but... But functionally, how is it that they, that they operate in tension? And a couple ways that this plays out is one, that, that mercy. When we talk about actually extending mercy to someone, that it feels like losing, possibly. Right? That mercy can feel like losing, where, where sacrifice can feel like getting ahead. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is with, with sacrifice, we have at least some sort of illusion of control of the outcome. So we can say, so, so I will sacrifice, I will, I will, I will do these things, but, but for the purpose of accomplishing a thing, or that, that this will help me be better, or it will, it will, I'll get some sort of good outcome from the sacrifice, or at minimum, we can make ourselves feel good about sacrifice. Where mercy, mercy is risky, right? Mercy is us surrendering the outcome. In some ways, it's even surrendering the process to get there. It's us saying, so, so maybe I have a right to, to push someone, or maybe I have a, like, this tendency towards comparison, or this ten- tendency towards competition. And mercy would say, this is not about me getting ahead. This is not about me fighting my way forward, or pushing other people down, or, or trying to get ahead in any kind of way. That mercy just feels risky, Right? It feels like we're going like, to get left behind if we show mercy because we're in a world where, where competition and, and all these things that, that, that are, are the things that drive us. And, and mercy, it feels risky. And so Jesus speaking to people that are wrestling with that same kind of thing, totally different kind of context, but same sort of, of human condition. Or you could say it this, that, um, that mercy, 
that mercy is a response where sacrifice, not always, but sacrifice can be transactional. Right, sacrifice can be transactional. In particular, this, this shows up, I think, in our, in our spiritual lives, maybe in more profound ways than, than what we realize. So we can look and we can say, so if I'm willing to sacrifice. So some of us have looked at our spiritual journey in this kind of way where it's like, so if I, if I don't do the things that I think are fun, and if, I, and if I don't do the things that I would like to do, and, I, and instead I, I sacrifice those things, then, then maybe God will bless me, or maybe I'll be able to move ahead spiritually because I have done the sacrificing thing. Where mercy, where we show mercy, it's a response. It's us saying, God has poured out mercy on me. So that my mercy giving is, is a reflection of the mercy that I have received. That it, that it flows from this reality that, that I have been given mercy. Therefore, I'm going to operate with mercy. Because it's not like there's going to be less mercy available. That, that we're going to run out of it in some way. Because my context, my, my, my perspective is already wrapped up. And I have been given something that goes beyond anything I could have earned. And so I'm just simply going to operate in that kind of freedom. A few months ago, we, uh, we were all asked to make sacrifices. Right? We were starting into this response to, to the COVID outbreak, and we're trying to decide as a people, as a country, how is it that we're going to respond to the reality that we're facing? And so our leaders and those around us were, were saying, so, so what if we all just made some sacrifices, right? We, we would do things differently. We would, we would, instead of going to the office or going to work, that we're, maybe a lot, some of us are working from home, we're going to pause some things, or we're not going to get together in groups in the same way, and, and we're going we're gonna to make sacrifices so that we get to some sort of positive outcome on the other side of it, right? For some of us, it was like, I sacrificed the, the security of being able to go to the store and buy toilet paper, right? It's like this like real practical kind of stuff, but we're, we're like, but I don't expect that that will always be the case because this sacrifice is for the purpose of getting somewhere. The sacrifice is for the purpose of, of getting to the other side of this thing. Where mercy, it doesn't have that same control over the outcome. Mercy doesn't have that same control of the process. Where, where mercy is basically saying, I'm going to show mercy in a way that, that is not transactional. It's not me expecting to receive anything. It's, it's, it's a response to what has already been done to me or for me. And so maybe the part of how we can understand this as we, as we move into the passage is, is maybe part of how we can understand this is, is what does it look like when we get this wrong? Right? What does it look like when, when this is out of balance, when we're, when we're not getting this right? I mean, short of Jesus, as he did in this particular story, showing up and telling people what they were doing wrong, that, that short of Jesus showing up, how can we know that we're getting it wrong, or how do we know that we're getting it wrong? Some of the ways this plays out is that we have our values, or we get our values in the wrong order, that, that our values, the things that we value, aren't the same kinds of things that Jesus values. And so we find ourselves out of alignment in terms of, in terms of, of what we value with, with Jesus. Or as we talked about last week, we take even the concept of rest, this gift that was given to us to restore us, to, to give God the space to work in our lives, and we, and we turn it into work. That we turn the gift into something we're trying to give back to God, that we're trying to impress him with the way that we do it. That we have been invited We've been invited to a way of living that, that we could never earn. Right? That maybe for some of us we need to write in our notes or write in the margin of our Bible somewhere saying, you can never earn what God wants to give you through Jesus. Right? You could never earn it. You cannot do enough good. You cannot do enough to, to balance the scales in a way that says, I have earned what has been done for me. That what has been done it goes beyond any of, any of our capacity to repay to God. 
And so we look and we say, so, so, so for all of us, for all of us, we have been extended mercy. For all of us, that, that this whole thing, that everything we do is in, is in response to this incredible act of mercy that God showed us. And so instead of trying to earn it, why don't we focus on responding to it and allowing it to, to work through us? The big problem, the big issue is, is the, the pattern of getting this wrong, the pattern of, 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 of getting it wrong and, and being out of alignment in terms of values and, and turning what was given as a gift and turning it into work. When, when we get it wrong for long enough, when we get it wrong for long enough, we don't eventually, it's not just that we find ourselves out of alignment with Jesus. It's that we can actually find ourselves in opposition to Jesus. And that's the thrust of the story. That's the, the thing that's happening. We're going to see this play out in the conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees this morning. And so in Matthew 12, starting in verse 1, it says, at that time, so this is a, a direct trans, a, a transition from the, the conversation about rest, then, then Jesus begins to talk to a particular group of people about a particular type of rest. And it says this, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Right? Somewhere along the line, if we talk about this idea of Sabbath, somewhere along the line, this thing that was given to, to people as a, as a gift from God to remind them that he is the one that provides, that he is the one that's in control, to say it's okay for you to rest because, because God has this. Somewhere along the line, this gift that's a, that's a weekly rhythm of a reminder that, that God is the one that's in control, that God's the one that's providing, that, that it's not that just that we're self-sufficient, but that we're, that we're dependent on him and that, that he, is, he is worthy of our trust. That somewhere along the line, this idea of Sabbath, this idea of God-given rest has, has, has changed meaning, that the Pharisees have lost sight of what this actually means, that the Sabbath is God's gift of rest to his people. And what Jesus is seeing play out in front of him is that the Pharisees have, have found a way to, to take that gift, to take that rest, and to make it into work. Right? In some ways, what's, what's playing out is that, that they've made it competitive. It's like, are you resting well enough? Is this, is this fit within the parameters? And we've turned this into this comparison game and this, this competitive game of like, is this person resting as well as they should? And all of a sudden, what was, what was supposed to be a gift, what was supposed to be rest in the presence of God, has become something that, that's work, that's competition, that's, that's all these kinds of things. And it's works-oriented instead of being received as a gift. Where Jesus speaks in the, in the passage right before this, the conversation that, that led into this moment that, that Jesus says, come to me, come to me and I will give you rest. That Jesus is inviting people first to his presence and then to, to find rest in him. And the version of Sabbath that, that, that plays out in the way that the Pharisees are operating in this story is, is, is something that, that could not be further from where Jesus is. Right? So, so there's, there's, there's this reality that it's literally become opposition to Jesus. And so the conversation continues. They make a statement to Jesus saying, so look, they're, they're, they're doing something that, that seems to be unlawful. What are you going to do about this, Jesus? And Jesus responds to their statement with a question. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry. Jesus knew with certainty that the Pharisees knew this story. This was not something that he's saying, so, so have you not heard about David? Let me tell you about David. And it would be some sort of new information that, that would let the lights come on for them. But Jesus is talking about a story that, that for these Pharisees, these religious leaders at this time, that they, they would have been, been steeped in the story of, G, of David. They would have known the story of David. This would have been like a hero story for them. 
And so it wasn't just that they weren't familiar with the story. What Jesus is saying is, is reminding them of the story that they've read, that they've studied, that, that for some of them, or maybe all of them, have likely memorized the story of David. And so Jesus is turning and saying, haven't you heard? There's this, there's this information that might be helpful for you because you seem to be off track in what this actually means. Sometimes we miss the tone of what Jesus is saying because when we read the Bible, we try and make it sound in our heads like what we think the Bible should sound like. This is, this is a man in a conversation pushing back saying, so, so haven't you heard about David with like this, maybe a twinkle in his eye or maybe even like more of a poke saying, I, I, I know you know this. Why is it that you have missed the point? How is it that you have missed the point when it's, when it's literally playing out in, this, in the story of David, this hero of yours that, that has led the way for us that, to say, so, so if, it, if it worked for him this way, then why are you operating in a way that is, is in, in, in tension with, with a story that you're familiar with? This is Jesus pushing them because he cares about them. And so Jesus speaks and, and, and begins to tell the story. He says, so, so he entered the house of God. This is David. He entered the house of God, and, and he is, and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. He says, or, or haven't you read the law that, in the law that the priests on, this, on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? He says, I tell you, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. And Jesus is saying, we have gotten our values out of order, right? That we are found that our values are, are out of alignment with, with what God's trying to do. That, and in some ways, the, you can see in this, in this moment in the story that this idea of good that these Pharisees have, that these people have, that, that, are, that are sincere and they're chasing after the things of God, somehow they have, have traded the good for the greater, that they've, that they've missed the greater thing. That's literally playing out the story that's playing in front of them. The moment that they're in is, is a moment that would literally change the course of history. That, that, the, that the life that Jesus lived, the moments that he, that he walked this earth would, would echo generation upon generation upon generation. That, that we would be here talking and still living in the echoes of, of the work of Jesus. And yet here are these, these men who have, who have tried to follow God, who, have, who have, have been trying to help other people follow God, and yet somehow they're missing this, this big piece of the story. And Jesus is saying, let's talk about value. Let's talk about what's, what's greater, what's worth holding on to. Let's talk about the thing that, that's actually worth taking hold of. And Jesus says in verse 7, If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, then you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is not the first time that Jesus has had this conversation. I think that's the, the, the piece as we talk about, what, is Jesus just arguing or is Jesus trying to help people see things differently? Is he, is he trying to help the Pharisees actually live in a transformed kind of way to, to experience the, the thing that he came to help people experience? And so Jesus repeatedly has this conversation with this group of people. He's in, in, in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9, he, he, the, the story of the, the call of Matthew, it, uh, Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And, and when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Right? The referee is throwing the flag on the field. That This is a, another moment where they're saying that this doesn't seem to fit within what we would expect the, you know, things to be. This doesn't seem to be the thing that's, that's the right way forward. But verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, but, but go and learn what this means. 
I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus is saying, so I, I gave you some homework. I gave you this, this, this phrase to wrestle with, to, 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 to allow to sink in, to, to maybe help you see things a little bit differently. And now here we are in, in the way that Matthew has recorded the story that we're a few chapters later and this conversation is coming back up again. And so Jesus says, if you would have gotten this when we were standing outside of Matthew's house, if you would have gotten this when, when that conversation first happened and you wrestled with and said, What's the, what's the difference between mercy and sacrifice? And what is it that, that God is inviting us to, to do? And, and, and what is it that, or what's the way that God is inviting us to live? He said, if you would have gotten it then, then we wouldn't be having this same conversation now. So Jesus says, so the son, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, which again is a, is a, a reminder of who it is that's, that's allowed to prescribe value, who, is, who it is that's, that's in charge of these things. You say the Lord of the Sabbath, which means the Lord of the Sabbath and the Lord of us is the one who can prescribe value, is the only one that, that can determine value, is the only one that can, that can be in charge of these things. And so played out right in front of them. If it wasn't already clear, the conversation, the invitation to a, to a different operating system, that, that now right in front of them, there's another opportunity to get this mercy, not sacrifice reality right. Going on from that place, verse 9 of Matthew 12, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, and looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Right? Talk about adventures and missing the point. Right? They're having this conversation. It's like, so, so do we get to get Jesus now? Right? It's like, can, can, we, can, we, can we finally... like? put an end to all of this. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to something. I'm trying to help you see something. And, and it's like at every turn, it's like, so, so is, is this the moment when we get to like bring him down? Adventure is in missing the point. The, the law in this moment becomes an excuse for, for not caring for people, right? The great commandment that Jesus describes when, when, when asked was, was that we would love God. And he said, and the second is like it, that we would love people. And then all of the law all of the law hangs on that framework, right? That, that to love God and to love people. And so for them to say, does, does the law permit us to do anything that, that, that shows love? Does the law permit us to, to improve this person's life? Does the law permit us to, to, to do something to, 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 to radically transform someone's life on the Sabbath? Jesus is, is saying the, the law is, is not the issue here. The, the issue is that you can't see the value of the person in front of you. Verse 11, he said to them, if any of you has, has a sheep in it and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable, how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. That Jesus takes this question about what's lawful. He takes a question about the law and he, and he turns it into a, question, or into, a, into a conversation, a declaration about value. Saying, so you're, you're worried about the rules. You're worried about the law. You're worried about whether or not you're, you're, you're in comparison to other people holding, the, holding the, the Sabbath well. And Jesus says, and right in front of you is a person whose life could be radically transformed if, if you would understand the, the, what's permitted. And Jesus takes a, a question about the law and he turns it into a declaration of value. But here's the beautiful thing. And here's the, here's the reason why we can get to this passage and we can look at these stories and, and we cannot be discouraged by it. We can be given hope because of it. Is that what Jesus is saying 
as he's talking to these men who, who continually seem to miss the point, who, who continually seem to want to stand in opposition to him, that, that seem to not get it, and he seems to have, keep having the same conversation over and over and over again, and it seems like they're stubbornly holding on to something that, that Jesus is inviting them to let go of, right? That, that Jesus is looking at them, and he's not saying, this particular man is more valuable than a sheep, that this particular man is value, that God values this person, but God says people are valuable. That God does not make a distinction between people who get it. That God doesn't make a distinction between people who, who are in opposition to him or not in opposition to him. He says that, that people have value. And so what he's saying to, to these Pharisees who, who are arguing with him, who are pushing against him, who are going to continue to create trouble for him, he's saying you have value. Right? That's such good news. That's such good news that, that he's speaking the value of humanity. He's speaking the value of people over people who, who don't seem to get what he's trying to say to them. That if they'll listen, he's not just rebuking them, but he's also telling them how God feels about them if they'll listen. So then he says to the man, played out right in front of them, a front row seat to, to, to this, this new way of living. He says, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees, verse 14, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Right? The conversation continues to escalate, right? That it's not just a question of are, are, we, are we like just a little bit out of alignment with the values of Jesus? Are we just a little bit out of alignment that, that literally what has happened is, as this has played out is this front row seat that that it becomes not just a question of alignment or even a question of value. It has become a question of, of opposition in the worst kind of way, and the opposition to Jesus. And Jesus is, is, is trying to help them see. He's trying to actually help them live in an unburdened kind of way. That He's, he's inviting them to live in a way that's, that's at ease with God and with each other. And so we look at this idea of mercy and sacrifice, that we're invited to, to live in a way that's merciful. And it starts with us understanding that, that mercy, that mercy is a response. That mercy is, that, that mercy giving flows out of realizing that we have been given mercy. That mercy giving flows out of the reality that, that we recognize that we have been given something that we never earned, that we have been given something that, that goes beyond our capacity to ever repay. So we say, so how do we treat other people? Do we treat other people like they have to somehow earn it? Do we, do we treat other people like, like we're in somehow in competition with them? Or do we say, I have been given mercy that goes beyond anything I could have earned, that goes beyond anything that I could ever have achieved, or anything I could ever have repaid. And so, so out of that, out of that, then I will just extend mercy to others because it's, it's been given to me. That mercy giving flows out of realizing that we've been given mercy. And then there's this picture. That as I have spent time in this passage, there's this, this, this picture that has, has been burned in me that, that, that here's Jesus standing before these Pharisees, standing before the ones that would, would continue to make his life on earth more and more and more difficult. These ones who, he, who he's speaking and giving an invitation to and yet they're not responding and they're, and they're, and they're escalating and, and all these things that, that, that here's Jesus standing before them saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That Jesus, standing in front of these Pharisees, standing in front of these people, that he is trying to help them get the operating system right, standing in front of them, is he himself the greatest act of mercy that the world will ever 
see. And it's right in front of them. And he's saying, so if you can get this right, if you can understand what God's up to, if you, can, if you could understand what God values, that, that you would stop arguing with each other and you'd stop trying to get ahead and you'd stop trying to push other people down, that, that standing in front of you is the greatest act of mercy that the world will ever see. And so what does God desire? What does God care about? What is the, what's, the, what's the thing that if we would get this right would change everything about how we related to God and to each other to, to understand that what has been given could never, ever, ever be earned? And yet here it is in front of us. We're being invited to, to live in that kind of freedom, unburdened in that kind of way. And for Jesus, standing in front of them, the greatest act of mercy the world will ever see, that, that here he is knowing that he's staring down the cross, knowing that, that he's headed towards something that, that will change the course of history. And what he's trying to, to help people understand, I think in this moment, is, is what's going to happen on the cross when Jesus suffers and bleeds and dies and leads the way through death for us is an act of mercy. Right, that it is, it's, it's, it's God showing mercy on people. It's not a sacrifice or shouldn't be understood as this bloody sacrifice to a vengeful God. That Jesus says, so if you get this right, if you could understand what it is that God really wants, if you could understand what, what God's really trying to accomplish, then, then you would realize that, that, that mercy is what's driving him, not vengeance, that, that God is trying to because he loves you, because he values people. He's trying to make a way or he is making a way for you. And somehow we've turned this. We've made it something that it was never intended to be. And so standing in front of them, Jesus, an act of mercy saying that God desires mercy not sacrifice, that, that my death on the cross isn't just an escalation of the sacrificial system, but it's an act of mercy because God loves you. And so mercy is a response. Our mercy giving flows out of realizing that we have been given mercy, which plays out in two ways. It, it, first, it, mercy invites us to let go of what doesn't matter. For us to say, so, so in light of everything that we know, in light of everything that we've experienced, when, when we lay all these things up, that, that what has been done for us, this, this act of mercy that, that God has done, gives us an understanding of what's valuable. And so we look at that and we say, is it worth competing when what has been done for us goes beyond anything we could earn, that we could never win this anyways? And so we say, so I'm going to let go of the things that don't matter. I'm going to let go of, of, of what doesn't matter. And then mercy invites us to take hold of what's better. To say, so we could live unburdened. We could live at ease with, with, in relationship with God and with each other when we realize that none of us have earned a way forward. None of us have earned what has been given to us. And so we can operate in a way that, that's just simply in response to what God has done for us. And so mercy, mercy becomes a way of life. Mercy becomes the easy way, that, that we get to live at ease in our relationship with God and others. Mercy becomes a gift to us, just like rest was a gift to us. Because mercy allows us to surrender the outcome and to let God handle things, to, to live life in a way that's unburdened because we're not worried if other people are getting ahead, we're not trying to compete, we're not playing comparison, that, that we're just simply living perpetually in response to what God has done for us. So mercy, we talk about living in an easy kind of way. Mercy says we don't have to worry about getting taken advantage of. We've already received more than we could ever have earned. We already have received more than, more than we deserve. And so, so how could we be taken advantage of if we've already received beyond anything we can imagine? 
that our interactions with God and with, with others aren't marked by trying to get ahead. That mercy means that we can surrender both, both the process and the outcome to Jesus, that we can live unburdened, that it becomes the way that we see the world, that we simply do what Jesus would do and we leave the rest in his hands. So I wrote this statement that I'm just going to read as we close, as Julie comes to, to lead us in song as, as, the, as this closes out, the service closes out. I wrote this in reflection on, on what, what God is teaching me through this process. I wrote, remember, remember that Jesus is doing for us what he's asking us to do. As he calls us to show mercy, he is showing us mercy. As he's calling us to do good, he's working good for us. As he's calling us to restore what's broken around us, he's restoring what's broken in us. The easy life is marked by living in response to what Jesus has done and is doing in us and for us. And so, and so mercy is an act of worship.